1: This is the Rise Up Sea red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up series Podcast, the best star of Cardinals talk on the web. I'm your host, Jess Root, from CardsWire.com, one of the USA Today NFL Wire sites. And today we are still working on our opponent preview, so the 14 teams that the Cardinals will face in 2023. I am reaching out to writers and mostly the site editors from our sister sites for the 14 teams the Cardinals will play up today uh, in this edition of the show. Are the Houston Texans, whom the Cardinals will face on the road in Week 11, and joining me for the second time in three years as the Cardinals played the Texans in 2021, is Mark Lane, managing editor of Texans Wire. Mark, thank you for joining me. And well, how's how's it been covering the Texans?
0: Fun again,
1: finally. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's take it let's take it back. To the 2022 season, uh, a year in which the Texans looked like they were in control of the top pick. I guess if you wanted to say they were in control of that, they go 3-13-1. Uh, they held the number one pick in the draft up until the final week of the season when they beat the Indianapolis Colts 32-31 to 31 and making it so the Bears moved up to number one. And the Colts, number two, um, and so yeah, um, they the Colts, uh, not the Colts, but the the Texans, they go with they. A, a lot of us consider it kind of a final fu by Lovey Smith, but you were telling me before before the show just now that it was kind of more a case where, um, you know, the Colts stuck it to the Texans once more, as they've done historically.
0: Let me ask you this. Who's the one team in Cardinals history that you look at and say that's always there to just ruin the fun for them? Who's that one team you'd say?
1: It is the Rams because they injure all of our quarterbacks.
0: Okay, well, for the Houston Texans, since 2002, the Indianapolis Colts, through one way or another, are there to spoil the fun, to just kind of be like uh, the just the inevitable. And so where the Texans needed the, the greatest moment, which was the number one overall pick, the Colts were there to ruin it by losing. And so that's what I mean is just – and Bobby like Smith did what he did, but I'm saying you just knew going into that game that if you needed the Colts to lose, to in the grand scheme of things, help the Texans, it wasn't going to be there.
1: Well, and it goes on oh, the, the, the start of the season where you had the season opening tie as well, which also – That that was both games actually threw a monkey wrench into what the Texans ultimately. What was was it an actual tank job or did it just end up being that way? You're talking about the season, correct?
0: I think it ended up being that way, Um, just because you know there was some promise when you had Chicago in Denver, who were terrible, you know, and they could have had some positivity to start out, but, you know, it all just kind of tanked in the middle of the year for them.
1: Were but there- you saw them come
0: out with uh, the gusto of the hound dog in Kansas City. So it wasn't a complete tank job.
1: They suffer, they, they get their first win in week five, then lose one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten in a row uh, before winning two out of their final three games, finishing three thirteen and one Were there any bright spots from what you saw last season, whether they be individual or as a team?
0: Uh, rookie running back... Damian Pierce, he had 939 yards, the third most amongst rookies last year. And safety, Jalen Petrie, the second rounder from Baylor, he just really ascended to that role of being an enforcer on the back end.
1: What were the – Davis Mills started most of the games last season – Um, there was a little bit of hope that he could be something going into last year. Did he just become what most thought he would be or, or did he take a step back? Did did you see a difference in his play in 2022 over the end of 2021?
0: Well, I don't know that he really had the supporting cast, if that makes sense. Right. Um... There was regression, so to speak, but you also get the sense that if he were in an offense that was able to effectively run the ball and had better pass targets than what the Texans had. I mean, no, they had Brandon Cooks, but he was somewhat, he was a little more unavailable in his final season than he ever had been in the first two years he was there. Same goes for Nico Collins. So he didn't really have a lot of targets to throw to. So, you just, he was kind of twisting in the wind, so to speak. I think he could be an effective backup or what he's Proving now with CJ Stroud, which is a competent, younger veteran to challenge for that starting job so they don't just hand it to Stroud outright.
1: That makes sense. That makes sense. Let's let's move on to the offseason. Coming to next to the Rise Up C Red Podcast, the best of Cardinals talking about it. Let's move on to the off season where the Texans were quite busy. Lots of stuff. Cuts coming in next to next and Rise Up C Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red Podcast, the first hour of Cardinals, the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Let's start with the coaching change. Uh Damico Ryan's. What is the excitement level adding him to the mix as the leader of this team? Especially after like obviously it's kind of a return home for him. Um and the success that he had in San Francisco as defensive coordinator, despite very little experience. And just the glowing reviews that seem to come from anyone who knows anything about him. What is the, what is the energy about the building in the city now with D'Amico as the lead guy?
0: It'd be like if Elvis went on the Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, I mean, it's it's uh, there's constant excitement. There's con there's positivity. There's reality that it's still a rebuild job, but there's optimism that Ryan's eventually will lead them through it. And that's what everyone around Houston is expecting. Um, I think there will be challenges for him as a rookie coach, and they've kind of been evident in the off-season workouts because they were players who got soft-issue injuries throughout, uh, you know, when you start getting OTAs and stuff. And generally, that's a sign of just guys maybe being overworked a little bit which is usually a sign of a rookie coach finding his way. Nick Sirianni talked about this um, in his OTA availability this year about how that's one of the things you learn as a coach is not to overwork guys in off-season workouts. You don't want to have any of those soft and shoe injuries so you know there's a little bit of reality that's there if you look for it with well, Ryan's. but um, overall it's it, i mean it's beatlemania's back in space city
1: <laughs> and that is that is a, that's an interesting point because especially in the voluntary part of the off season to especially <clears throat> in, in in the climate of the NFL today you want to make sure that the the environment is inviting to these players who don't technically have to be there. Now we move to, to free agency. Were there any was there any player lost that would be considered an impact loss um that they lost in free agency?
0: I'm gonna say just Ogbonia, Ocaronquo because he was just a nice edge defender to have. Um, You know, he really did a good job of harassing the quarterback. Um, Maybe you could say Rasheem green, but really, I mean, because of the paucity of talent on the roster, I mean, there's really nobody in free agency that got away so to speak. Uh, With the roster in general, I would say Brandon Cooks would qualify. But in terms of the overall exchange of veterans lost versus veterans gained, I mean, it's kind of a wash, a slight edge going for the Texans.
1: Yeah, the, the, the free agency list I see here is, is, is extensive. Um, definitely needed help across the board. They had a former Cowboys tight end, Dalton Schultz. They bring in Robert Woods, receiver, uh, formerly of the Rams and the Titans. Um, you go on the defensive side of the ball, you bring in Jimmy Ward, who knows – the defense uh, from his time with the 49ers, a pretty pretty impactful safety-slash-slot guy. Sheldon Rankins on the defensive interior, Shaq Griffin at cornerback, Denzel Perryman. Um, Devin Singletary at running back, uh, you get, bring in Case Keenum, who is still, still, still pulling an NFL contract somehow. Uh, Corey Littleton, uh, who had a promising season a few seasons back at linebacker. Uh, Chase Winovich. Which of those, which of those additions are you most excited to see on the on the Texans?
0: Devin Singletary, as he compliments. Damian Pierce, Robert Woods not so much. Uh, Shaq Griffin, uh, I'm sorry, Sh- um, Shaq Mason although he's a trade and not a classical free agent. Uh, just as it relates to forming a better offensive line, uh, Hassan Ridgeway because he was there in San Francisco with D'Amico Ryan, so he knows the system. Same goes for Jimmy Ward. What uh, What can he still do as a veteran, let alone communicate to these younger defensive backs on how to thrive in Ryan's system. Then there's some interesting veterans like Denzel Perryman. What does he have left in the tank? And can Shaq Griffin compete with Stephen Nelson to be that boundary corner Opposite of second-year Derek Stingley. So uh, there's really uh, just anticipation, not in the level of a blue chip free agent that you would have, but kind of like a Christmas tree where you've got, say, 20 gifts under the tree But no real big gift that you know you're going to get, like a PlayStation 2 or anything. But still 20 little gifts of what could be gift cards or something. Versus kind of like the three massive gifts, people get under the Christmas tree and they know it's going to be this and it's going to be exciting. So it's just really anticipation spread broadly.
1: And, and I, 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 get, I get a kick out of the PS2 mention because it shows our age. <laughs> so I appreciate that. And, and honestly, the, the big gifts, like the, the big-time gifts they got, were selected in the draft, um, which, which we want to talk about next. Um, it, it comes down to this. It was a disappointment not to get the first overall pick. However, do you think that the Colts would – Colts – Texans would have gone with Bryce Young over CJ Stroud first overall or do you think that Stroud was always the guy that they were going to take
0: I think they were going for Young and when Carolina made their move then the Texans you know pivoted and started looking towards Stroud I think that Carolina's interest in Young is what Made them look at Stroud as a viable target because they realistically only had one shot to fix the quarterback situation. Because next year they'd only—I mean—they'd have twin first-round picks again. But
1: how long can you keep
0: losing like this?
1: Right, right. So they—they take it. They swing for the fences overall. So they take Stroud second overall. Um. So far, what is the feeling about Stroud moving forward? they uh, there, depending on depending on who where you read, who you talk to, Stroud as as good as Bryce Young was. There are some that believe that Stroud might be a better pro. He's a much polished passer. He doesn't he doesn't necessarily do off schedule what you what you see in a lot of quarterbacks now. But I know the arm talent is there. It's it's hard to believe that he would be a bad selection. For, and if you can't get young, Stroud might be like a nice ground rule double quarterback pick as opposed to swinging for the fence. I don't know. He's probably even more than a ground rule double to me.
0: The, the thing with Stroud is he really showed what he's capable of in that – national semifinal game with the um, Georgia Bulldogs because he really played off schedule on multiple snaps against the best defense in college football. So he's shown that he's capable of that. What makes him, you know, the better pro, so to speak, And Bryce Young is just as measurables because he's bigger and young. You've seen it with Kyler Murray. Those diminutive, Eddie LeBaron-sized quarterbacks, um, you know, sometimes they don't hold up real well. Uh, So I, I think it's just kind of related to that. I think both the Panthers and the Texans got really great prospects, and I don't feel like Houston missed out because Bryce Young got away. What Stroud has been able to do is he's been able to come in and learn the system, remain humble, just seek deference, from Davis Mills, with whom he's competing against, Case Keenum, and, you know, he's even earned the uh, respect of a guy like Laramie Tunsell, who's already referring to him as my quarterback and our quarterback. So uh, it just really amounts to how Stroud is able to handle the punches, or I should say the welcomings from all across the NFL throughout this 17-game slate. I think he's got the mental makeup and character to be Houston's quarterback and to also, you know, you may not see it vocally in the ways that people like on NFL films. Microphone, but you'll see it in how the offense plays. What type of respect they have for him.
1: They go with the <clears throat> the big move, trading with the Arizona Cardinals, um, moving up from number twelve to number three to take Will Anderson. I think Will Anderson is a home run of a pick. If like there were between of all the stuff that was happened with the Cardinals in the off season, keep or pick, the, keep the tri- pick, trade the pick. It felt like it was logical to stay there and, and draft Will Anderson because of just how special he, he promises to be as a pass rusher, as as a person. I get why the Cardinals traded back and then traded up because they're thinking now and future. Um, but Will Anderson, uh, you, you can't ask for really anything more from him because he's got, while he is not as big as Tyree Wilson, his measurables are good. His athleticism is good. as His production in the best conference of college football is unmatched. And on top of that, you get one of the hardest workers and best people. He's going to be a star, isn't he?
0: Yeah, undoubtedly. Um, and you get your face of the franchise, if you will, in Stroud, which also automatically gives you a leader on offense. Now you get the face of your defense in Anderson, and you've got your two leaders right there, the pillars of your team for the rest of the 2020s. And uh, he's going to be playing in a scheme where – The defensive line attacks. They get upfield. They don't really read and react as they did in Levy Smith's game. So he's going to have his chances. He's going to have the opportunity to be D'Amico Ryan's Nick Bosa for this defense. And that will afford him a lot of... um, awareness and publicity and you know i mean watch out i'm not gonna do it but some people might compare him to jj watt which Ooh, would really be that's,
1: that's unfair that's unfair but i get it <laughs> the, uh, what, what's cool about what the texans did is we go back to to the 2019 draft with the cardinals and the question was kyler murray or nick bosa kyler murray and big nope or nick bosa the Texans essentially got their Kyler Murray and Nick Bosa in the same draft. Um, D'Amico Ryan's knows the impact that that a that a premier pass rusher can have on the rest of the defense because honestly, Bosa's pass rushing production was almost all their pass rushing production in San Francisco, and it changed their defense. Now the rest of the the rest of the picks that you got going on. Uh, Penn State center, Scrugs uh, uh, Scruggs, uh, uh, kind of a surprise at that po- point in the draft. Tank Dell, I know there's a lot of buzz about Tank Dell coming out of Houston. <laughs> Dylan Horton, TCU, round four. Alabama linebacker, Henry To'oto. Uh, um, second center, Notre Dame center, Jarrett Patterson, in round six. Uh, Iowa State receiver, Xavier Hutchinson. And then Pittsburgh safety, Brandon Hill. Of those, Of the remaining draft picks, Are there any that will have a significant role now? And who are the ones that might have a bit role? I think they're going to try to give Tank Dell
0: a significant role. Um, Dylan Horton, he's going to have a bit role. Being on that defensive line. Xavier Hutchinson, you may need to watch. Not this season, but while he's on his rookie contract, as he uh, he just didn't have a real good workout, but was very productive in his final year at Iowa State. Uh, Henry Totodo, Um he's someone that, along with Christian Harris, who's already, you know, with the Texans, they were teammates at Alabama, and you know they they'll be able to feed off of each other. And then Jarrett Patterson and Juice Scruggs they help Houston solve uh, their center situation and also just provide some versatility along the interior offensive line but i think out of the rest of the guys everybody's going to be looking at tank dell and what he does
1: <clears throat> coming up next on the rise up red podcast best of cardinals talk on the web let's move to the 2023 season what to expect from houston this coming year and how do they how do they match up with the cardinals in 2023 that's coming up next on rise up red they're back on the Rise of Red podcast, but our Cardinals talk on the web. We move to the, move to the season. You've got a new head coach, a rookie franchise quarterback, a whole bunch of, of additions, a young pass rusher. While the Texans are, for, for a little bit this offseason, they were tied with the Cardinals for the lowest win, win, projected win total in the NFL. The Cardinals dropped one to four and a half. Expectations, obviously, for the Texans are not high. What are the, what are the expectations of the, at least within Houston? What what are what is a reasonable, achievable thing that that is the belief that the Texans can do in twenty twenty
0: three? That they can be a six win team. I know it's saying something, but <laughs> you just kind of got to look at the complexion. Of their record, in other words, I mean, if they're six and eleven, I mean, looks bad. But what if they were in nine one score games? Yeah. You know, what if they were going toe to toe with the eventual AFC champion? And I mean, they got the Bengals on the schedule. They got the Steelers and they got the Ravens. What if they're going toe-to-toe with one of these teams? And then later, that team has a deep playoff run. So as long as they just don't look like, because here's what happened with the Texans last year. They, would start getting outplayed by the third quarter. I mean, it start It's just when teams started pulling away. Now you're gonna have your lulls throughout the game, but as as long as the Texans are in it in the fourth quarter, and it, it's not garbage time, and they you know that's how they get the One score loss, so to speak, which is what happened with them against the Giants, just to name one. As long as these statistics are compiled throughout the ebb and flow of a competitive game, I think fans will be able to stomach moral victories from D'Amico Ryans. So, like I said, I think six wins... I think that is a nice little average. Do they with, have with the good. nature of the seventeen games, and then that equal attention cake? You know, seventh seed that's been going on now. Um, you could see maybe an eight and nine Texans team as the seventh seed. Yeah, that, I, that was
1: just going to ask that. Is their ceiling as much higher than that? And you know, if yeah. they if they get a few games bouncing their way, they could sneak into. Uh, I I do think it's a little tougher. I do think it's a little tougher in the AFC. Um, but yeah, I, I could see that as a potential ceiling for them. And I think we know, like with the Cardinals, what their floor is. Not 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 necessarily because someone important gets hurt or whatever, but they're just not they're just not competitive enough. <laughs> This season, and they finish with one of the two or three worst records in the in the league, um, which benefits the Cardinals if the Texans are bad because they have their pick next year in the first round. But uh, I, I know that they're betting on being better, and that they that with whatever pick that they would have next year, having Stroud and Anderson is better than having the 2024 top pick, right?
0: Right, and you still have Cleveland's pick. Correct. So. You know, I I I think if they're as good as Cleveland is, um, fans won't mind.
1: That's right. That's right. And the Cardinals and the Texans very comparable. If are car are are Texans fans looking at the Cardinals game? I know everyone, pretty much everyone, looks at the Cardinals game on their schedule and says that's a likely win. Cardinals fans look at the Texans on their schedule as a winnable game, not a not a sure win, but a winnable game. Obviously, you guys probably consider the Cardinals a winnable opponent. What is the level of expectation when it comes to that game? Is that an expected win or one of those win games that you think is one of the wins you can you can notch onto the schedule?
0: It's a you know, it's a game that you should win. I think that given. That it's week 11, anyone who's watched football for, you know, more than 10 years should at least be able to pick up on the fact, okay, this is in the middle of the year and these two teams won't even be the same Correct. that they fielded in week one. So it's really one of those cases of uh, what, what an old sage once said on the radio, Anytime anyone would ask him for, you know, game predictions and stuff in August, which is tell me who's playing then and I'll tell you what will (laughs) happen.
1: Yep, but the Internet, the Uh, Internet begs for predictions in April and May.
0: (laughs) You can still look at it and say, yeah, I think that that Houston, they could mess around and win that
1: game. And, you
0: know, same for the Cardinals.
1: Right. Right, that's the two evenly matched teams. Um, kind of. I, I think, you know, Houston probably, I would say, has the roster a little more talented, is probably a more talented roster than the Cardinals right now. But and I'm going under the assumption that Kyler Murray will be playing by then. They, they definitely have the edge at quarterback, which might make the difference. I don't know. But um, Mark, aside from Texans Wire, uh, the site that, that we all know, is there anywhere else that we can find your work? or you dinking around on social media perhaps
0: yeah follow me on twitter at the real mark lane um kind of taking it easy till football gets into full gear so maybe I, i might say something comedic over there you never know
1: all right, Mark, I really appreciate the time out of your schedule. Um, it, was a, it was a pleasure talking to you again. Uh, I love these shows. Uh, this will end this edition of the Rise Up Sea red podcast, Mr. Cardinal's Talk on the web. We will have, unless we've hit the end, if this is the last show that I am putting together, I don't think it will be. I think well, this will be uh, this weekend. Um, but you can expect more opponent previews over the next several days. That's Mark Lane. I'm Just Root. Thanks for listening, as always. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a 5-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals Talk on the web. Rise Up Red Sea, Be Red Sea Red, and of course, Rise Up Sea Red.